Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. <laughs> you got it? All right. Let's, let's talk about Abraham. What comes to your mind? And let's say when I ask you about Abraham, what the first thing that jumped right away into your mind? Most of us, I think, would say faith. Abraham was very faithful. And on top that he was very faithful, he was very obedient God. And there are many great individuals in the Bible, before Abraham and after Abraham. But I think not single one was so great as our forefather Abraham. You know, see, he was a forefather of a great nation that we would call Israel. He was a great prophet. He was a great businessman. He became very rich. You know, he became a great leader. And, you know, he was even a warrior. He was capable to go into a war. So, of all these things, we don't pay attention, but we think about one thing. Father of the faithful. That's how critical, that's how important was Abraham. Open your Bible to Romans. And I love it here in this part, Romans chapter 4, how Paul described Abraham here. Romans chapter 4. And here, break into the context, breaking into the context of verse 11. Romans chapter 4 and verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he may be the father, that he may be the father, father of all those who believe. What a great description about Father Abraham. He was the father of all who believe, including us. Though they, they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father also of the circumcisions to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Whether before or whether after, what is Paul saying? I want you to have the same faith, unbelievable faith that Father Abraham had. And of all these individuals that are mentioned in the Bible, some very great, you know, personalities, not even one single one of them received such a great description as Abraham. And I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 41 here. Isaiah chapter 41. When it comes to a personal relationship with God, There is no any other individual like that in the Bible with such a description like Abraham. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. God calls him Abraham. He calls him, he is my friend. God never described David as my friend. God never described Peter as my friend or Paul as my friend. No, any other individual in the Bible is described this way as Abraham. My friend. Just think about it for a moment. My friend. That's how close he was with God. That's how close he was with God. Now, go to Genesis chapter 22 and put something, a piece of paper or a pen, just mark your place in Genesis because we'll be moving forward and back to different parts of the scriptures, but most of the time we'll spend in Genesis. You know, we can study all the covenants, but not any single individual in the Bible received such an extensive covenant like Abraham did. Mosaic covenant, 
doesn't even come close to Abrahamic covenant. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. And look here at verse 15. Let's start from verse 15. Then the angel, just right after when Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and says, and said, by myself. How many times in the book of Genesis when it comes to Abraham, God always says, by myself, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you, multiply your descendants, as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In verse 18, in your seed, all the nations, not just some of the nations, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because, because you have obeyed my voice. You have obeyed my voice. Where did he get such a strong faith? That he was ready to do anything for God. Even sacrifice his only son. Now what I want to do today. I want to spend my first part of my presentation today. Just to examine the faith of Abraham. What I do in my second part. I want to make the connections of faith of Abraham Abraham to our core values. And you will see how they go hand in hand. Let's start with Genesis chapter 12. So just a reminder, hold your place in Genesis, we'll go between the chapters, but we always come back to Genesis. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12. And when you come to study the life of Abraham, I always thought that his family, especially his father, they were indulged in the pagan worship of the day. The only Abraham came out of this family as a one true believer. But what I found through my study that might not be a case, and I will show you a little bit later. Genesis chapter 1. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes, okay? 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless, bless, bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He was here about just over 70 years old. Think for a moment. God appears to you and say, I want you to pack and I want you to go. How would you react? What would you say? He was childless. At that time, at that culture, there was no such a thing as a pension plan or a welfare system or a government support. You have to strongly rely on your family. Usually it was family, your family, your children who support you till you, till you die. In his case, he's childless. And on top of that, God says, I want you to move away from everybody, from your family, from your friends, from everybody. I want you to go. And guess what? He goes. You know, I have a chance to study a little bit because his family comes from a, from a kind of like a Babylon region in the city of Ur. And what I, what I found, and many archaeologists found it, that Ur was very, this town was very prosperous. It's one of, it was one of the most richest towns at that time in that region. And during the archaeology, they find a beautiful, amazing homes. Some homes even came with a 14 rooms. At that time, homes that were made with 14 rooms. So we can assume that, well, Abraham, Abraham and his father, 
when they left in Ur first, you know, they had probably a nice, beautiful home. They were exposed to all this trade that was coming from all different parts of the world. They had one of the choicest food on their table for dinner, for supper. Probably easy, prosperous life. And they move away from this way of life. He lived behind the prosperous city of Ur and even later on. But what was also something not interesting, but the city of Ur was known as a pagan worship of the god of moon. And the god of moon was known back then as Nana. It was deep, deeply involved in this pagan worship. And we know from the scripture that Abraham, for some reason, he was not involved in this worship. And I don't remember who did the youth study. Something I think last year, I think it was Sister Lisa or Pastor Moore. I don't remember who did it. But when you did this patriarch and the way how they live long, and we know we put it on a paper, and we figured it out that as Abraham was alive, his, his, uh, his, his grandfather, Shem, was also alive at this time. So, you know, we could speculate that all this knowledge, that Abraham received all this knowledge about God, the true God, received actually from Shem. And we know that he wasn't involved. And I will show you a little bit later that probably his family was not involved to the same degree with the pagan worship, just the same way as, just the same way as Abraham. So, put yourself in Abraham's shoes. You're old. You don't have any children. Now you have to hit the road. Go from convenience to inconvenience in a, mother, in a matter of time. And it's easy to go somewhere when you, when you know where you're going. Let's say, you know what? You go to Russia. You know the place. I'm going to Moscow. I have a home here. You know, all this thing, everything is taken care of. I just need to fly there. This case, Abraham doesn't know. God doesn't tell him. He says, I'm going to get you to a promised land. Where is the promised land? He doesn't, he doesn't have a clue what it is. He just gets up and decided to go just like that. How many of us, if let's say you have a dream, God speaks to you at night would say, you know, Brother Jen, I want you to wake up today morning and I want you next week by Monday, I want you to be gone from here. What would you do? I have family, I have friends, you know, I have job, you know, I have pension plan. I have all the securities around me, right? Why would I go into something unknown? Something that is probably inconvenient. And, you know, I have to travel. You know, if you look at the, sometimes when you have a time, I want you to check. I want you to look at the, at the map of the Bible. I want you to see where it was the Ur of Chaldeans. And some places where he traveled to Haran. You know what was the, well, you know what was the mileage there in kilometers? Almost 1,000 kilometers. 600 miles. He walked there. He walked there with his family. So, put yourself into shoes of Abraham. How would you react when you would get like call like that from God? You just get up and he went. And what can we learn just from the, the simple fact of obedience? You know, material prosperity and stability. It's killing Christianity in the Western world. We are absorbed by the society standards than live by God's standards. We worry about the economy. We worry about the dollar. We worry about the stock market. We worry, we worry about the pension funds. We worry about our jobs. We worry about all these things. Abraham didn't. He left everything behind and hit the road just like that. What about the other part? Opposition from your family members. Imagine you call everybody, all your family, you gather together, let's say tomorrow. Tomorrow is a Sunday, you call everybody for a dinner and make an announcement. You say, you know what? Last night I had a dream, or even better, you say, you know what? God spoke to me last night. And you get your mom, your, you know, your mom, your dad, your sisters, your cousins, your, grand, you know, your, your grandparents, and try to make this announcement. God spoke to me last night, and I'm going, I'm moving. I don't know where I'm going to go. What I know, I need just to get out of my things and I, need to, I have to be ready by next Monday or whatever. What your family would say about you? You're nuts. 
something wrong with you. Hey, before you go, maybe you should go and visit hospital and get yourself checked. No, just really just think about it. You know, how easy it is to compromise when family put a little bit of pressure. Hold your plate in Genesis. Just go to Matthew chapter 10 quickly. Abraham wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to do it. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. And Jesus is saying here, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace by a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be those of his own household. Just think about it. And I know personally, my greatest enemies in my walk with faith, especially at the beginning, were my family members. And I know my wife's case does the same thing. And even till this day, there's still a little bit fighting, you know, occasionally about religion. So we know this is for a fact that, you know, your family members can actually hold you back if you give in. Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. What is that supposed to mean? If your mom and your dad convince you to put God beside for a moment, because, you know, we don't want to disrespect your family members, look what happened. And he who loves your son or daughter more than me, Christ is saying, you're not worthy of me. You follow a cause. Be obedient like Father Abraham was. Just follow And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. If you're not sure that you can actually walk in these footsteps, ready to die for anything, that you're not worthy for me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his wife for my sake will find it. Yet so simple and so misunderstood by the society. We try to do anything to save our physical life. And we we don't want to spend a second trying to figure out our spiritual life. So Abraham left his family members. His faith was unbelievable. And you know, his faith that he actually had for God, I think, influenced his family a lot. Go to Genesis chapter 24. And I'll show you a little bit later. Genesis chapter 24. We all know the story. We know the story. We know Abraham's story very well. But here in Genesis chapter 24, Abraham is trying to find a wife for his son. Okay? Let's read the first four verses. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who rule over all that he had. Please put your hand under my tie, and I will make you swear by the Lord. Just a little injunction here. This servant is also a God worshiper. Otherwise, what's the point of swearing? And he says, swearing may swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth. His servant is also a worshiper. Because otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense. You know, if he swears, he's not a believer, that, you know, who would trust a person like that? Right, And he says here that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. What does it tell you? You go back to my family and you will find that somebody who's got a faith, at least some part of a faith, in the same God that I do. Right? Makes perfect sense. So it doesn't mean that, you know, his family, you know, were involved in pagan worship and only Abraham stood out as the only worshiper of God. That is not true. Now just skip down to verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. 
and he arose and went to, the, to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. As I said, if you looked at the city of Nahor, and you look at the city of Ur, that's a distance of about 1,000 kilometers. That's the journey that Abraham already took. Okay? And now, when it comes to Rebekah and their family, skip down to verse 31. So the servant is at their home, and verse 31, and said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. They worship the God of Abraham too. Even though they are far away, they still worship the God of Abraham. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and, and place for the camels. See what a great influence Abraham had on his family? He could send his servant back to his family and get a wife for his son. That's how critical, that's how important it was for Abraham that his son's going to marry a right girl. Not one of the Canaanites involved in a pagan worship, but one who is involved in the righteous worship of the one true God. Go to Genesis chapter 11. Now, Genesis chapter 11. As Abraham was leaving Ur, he wasn't leaving this town by himself. He left actually the Ur of Chaldeans with the whole family. And here in verse 31, look at this. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his sons Abram's wife, and they went out of them from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to the Haran and dwelled there. You see what I mean? All family left Ur with Abraham on this journey. They had a choice to stay. They didn't. Even the fa- even father of Abraham took the journey with him. You know, that's why, you know, some people say, you know, there are some speculation that only Abraham was righteous and his family was so heavy involved in the, you know, this pagan worship that, that God had to took him out of it. This is not true. Abraham's, Abraham started staying in Haran as his father passed away. He was obligated and taking care of his father to the end. And then God says, now it's time to go. I want you to take Now I'm going to take you away from your family. I have a different assignment for you. So... Imagine if you have to go for such a journey. Think about the preparation. What do you have to prepare? You go for a journey. There's no planes, no cars. And let's say you live, you have a home. What do you have to do? You probably have to sell your home. And as you know, when you have to sell your home quickly, then usually you're going to lose some money on it, right? Quick sell. So that's one. Then you have to buy plenty of camels and animals to go on such a long journey, provision. You have to buy a plenty of tents and stuff like that, the moldy materials that's going to protect you in the desert during the cold nights. It's going to cost you a lot of money. And Abraham did all of this. And, and he traveled, as I said, 1,000 kilometers from one place to the other. And what I'm saying this thing, what we can learn. And, you know, how, how many of us sometimes, you know, we get up on Saturday morning, we just don't feel like going to church. How many people, let's say, are we going to for a holiday and it's going to be in Dorchester? Many people actually complain. Oh, you know, I have to travel. It's going to take me an hour and a half. In a nice, comfortable, air-conditioner car, and you still complain. Oh, I don't feel like it. it's raining so much outside. I think I will stay home because of that. There are people driven by comfort. And when you think about, you know, last night we have a beautiful meal, gorgeous restaurant. And, you know, you eat all this meal and it's so good. And, you know, I said to my family, just imagine for a moment, not thousands of people, not millions of people, Billions of people would love to experience what we're just experiencing right now. That they could eat as much as they want, whatever they want. And they can't. And 
that we have here, everything that we need. We have more than we need. We have everything that we want. And for some reason, we are still a nation of whiners and complainers and we can get our act together for some reasons or others. I'm not saying specifically about our congregation, brethren in general, right? I always get some people who always complain about anything. No matter what we try to do, either for the feast, the distance is too far, it's too much to the north, it's going to be snowing, it's going to be cold, it's going to be too hot, it's going to be whatever. It doesn't matter where the location is. We always complain, or at least some of us. Some of us always complain. Hold your place in Genesis. Go to Hebrew for a moment. Hebrew chapter 11. The father of the faithful. Hebrew 11. When you think about what this guy went through, it's no wonder that, you know, he has such a wonderful description of as an example for us here in the book of Hebrew, chapter 11. Scripture that Daniel shared with us today. By faith, verse 8. Hebrew 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance, and he went out. He just went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of, of, with him of the same promise. For he waited, waited, for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And he didn't care about the city of Ur, city of Haran, as prosperous, as good they were to live there. He was waiting for something, the righteousness dwell. He was waiting for a city that's going to come down from heaven, Jerusalem, and then he could inhabit this town and live the way how God wants him to live. So this is an amazing example from Abraham. Go to Genesis chapter 12 now. <clears throat> and even though he sacrificed a lot for this journey that he made. Genesis chapter 12. So here, what we just read the first three verses. So now he's leaving Haran. And in verse 5, then Abraham, they, Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Even though he sacrificed a lot, he was already here. He's a man of great possession and he even possessed his own servants. In the city of, uh, he, he, he's not even in a promised land yet. He's in the middle. He's already God blessed him so much. Whatever he sacrificed, God compensate for everything that he lost. Even more than that. Even more than that. And you know, how is our faith when it comes to this regard? Hold your place here and go for a moment to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Hold your place in Genesis. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Look the way how Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Verse 29. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sakes and the gospel. And the gospel, verse 30 who shall not receive a hundredfold, a hundredfold, now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. Think about it for a moment and see, how is that? And you know, I heard a great story that Pastor Watson shared some times ago. He said when he came to church, when he came to faith, you know, he was opposed by everybody, especially his father, his mother, and everybody. 
And, you know, he thought for a moment that he lost his family. And he said, you know, and he said, guess what, brethren? As I came in church, God gave me many, many other parents. God gave me many other mothers and fathers who actually care about me. Wanted to make me succeed. And he said, on top of that, I get so many wonderful friends, brothers and sisters all over the place. That's the promise. That's the promise that Jesus first to make his disciples. If you sacrifice, I'll pay you back. If not in this life, then in the life to come. Don't worry about it. And Abraham was a great believer in that. Perfect example. He gave everything and he gained everything. Unbelievable story. Go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Just look, look here at verse 7. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Put yourself in his shoes. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What I'm going to get? Nothing. It's not for you, Abram. It's for your descendants. And actually later on in chapter 15 he says, don't worry, Abraham, you'll die. 400 years from now, I'll get you, I will get you a descendants. I will get, I will get them what I, what I promised you today. See, he was not selfish. What's in it for me? Bless me, God. I want prosperity. I want this. And God says, not for you, Abraham. This is for your descendants alone. Your descendants. What about us? We have the same faith. And look how he's had so, he was such a it's such a strong faith. He was so bold proclaiming his faith. Look what he did later in the same verse. verse you know. Verse seven. Just read it one more time, not just read the whole verse. And Lord appeared to Abraham and said, Your descendants I will give this land. And guess what happened? And there he built an altar to the Lord. It appeared to him. He says, I'm going to show how strong is my faith, not just by my words, by the midst of the pagan culture, I'm going to truly, I'm going to truly build an altar to the Lord so everybody would see what kind of God I'm worshiping. You see it? In a Canaanite culture, he says, I'm going to stand up for my faith. I'm going to build publicly. I'm going to build an altar. Now, Canaanite worship. If you want to study how was Canaanite worship, it was horrible. They worship all kinds of gods. They sacrificed their children. They even ate their children. Okay? They ate the flesh of their own children. You can, you can all find it out. You can all Google it. Hold your place here. Just go to Exodus chapter 34. Just for a moment. The warning that God is sending to the children of Israel as they are about to conquer the promised land, the land of Canaan. Exodus chapter 34. And you look here at verse 11. Observe Exodus chapter 4, 34 and in verse 11. Observe what I command you this day. He's talking to Israelites 400 years later. I am driving out from before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and all Jebusites. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with, with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest be a snare in your, in your midst. Verse 13. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. That was the kind of how they worshipped their own gods. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Did you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land? And they play the, the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice. Verse 16. And you, and you take of his daughter for your sons 
and his daughters played the harlot with their gods, and Mergu's sons played the harlots with their gods. Abram avoided all of this. He said, I want to find a wife for my son that is not involved in this pagan worship. A special wife. And you know, you guys, young people, keep this thing in mind. It's so much easier to live your life when your partner is involved in the same worship. You're going to save yourself a many problems along the way. Many, many problems along the way. So let's just go back there. Genesis chapter 12. So verse 7, we just read it. He built, he built an altar, right? Let's read verse 8. It's something very common in his life, in Abraham's life. Now verse 8. And he moved from there to the mountain, mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with and with battle, with battle on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. There we go. His, his building is another altar. He's marking his territory, so to speak. He's know, he knows that he's not going to get it. This promised land is not for him. He knows that it's for his children. He has this faith in God that God will deliver. But even though he's pilgrim, he's already marking his territory. Wherever he stays, he put a public proclamation what he believes. What he believes. <clears throat> and now, what kind of altar he was building, right? I tell you, way different altars, whatever the Canaanites were building. Let's go to Exodus chapter. Hold your place in Genesis. Exodus chapter 20. Right after the Ten Commandments. Right after the Ten Commandments, God gave them the instruction how they are about to worship true God, Jehovah's God. Or Yahweh. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20. And you look at verse 24. Exodus chapter 20. And in verse 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offering and your peace offering, your sheep and your oxen. Not something spectacular. Just from the simple earth. Now, if the earth is not available, it's just desert and stones, whatever it is. He says, in every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. Verse 25. If you make me an altar from stone, you should not build it on the cut stone. For if you use your tool in it, you have, proclaimed, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness, that, that your nakedness might not be exposed on it. And you can see at the Canaanite pagan culture, the way the altars they built, the steps around it just to get it to the top and sacrifice it, is unbelievable. And God says to Abraham, "You just built something simple, just from the earth. If you build from the stone, I don't want you to. I don't want any tool to touch it. Just make it build and sacrifice. Whatever you sacrifice, I'll be I'll be there with you." And I will bless you along the way. <clears throat> now, here in verse 8, if we go back to Genesis. I lost my spot. Genesis chapter 12. And look at this verse here. Verse 8 again. He built an altar to the Lord. And you know, he not just built the altar on the, of, of the Lord. And called on the name of the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. So this Hebrew phrase can also mean he declared, he proclaimed, he preached the name of the Lord. He was not afraid to share his faith with the piggy neighbors, piggy neighbors of Canaan. He built the altar, he proclaimed, he preached, he shouted, this is my God, this is the God that I'm worshiping. Not trying to hide himself in a closet, so to speak. He was not afraid of his faith for his God. Even though he was a stranger in a strange land, that you know, he, he knew it, that he's going to, He's going to get it as his inheritance, not him personally, but his children along the way. Genesis chapter 14. 14 and verse 22. What they're trying to show you that he was not afraid to share his faith with other people. Even though there were unbelievers or there were believers, believers in many different gods, right? Here in verse chapter 14 in verse 22. Just where all the kings were conquered, and Abraham as a warrior actually rescued Lot and his family, and all the goods, and everybody, all of these kings. 
And right here in verse 22, he says, but, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God, most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. He's explaining to him, this is my God. This is my God, and you should know it. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. He's possessor of everything. This is the God that they worship, and he's not afraid to tell them. And that's why I rescue you, see? Because of my God, you're free today here. Hold your place here. Go to Hebrew chapter 13. Hebrew chapter 13. Hebrew chapter 13. And look at here at the instruction to us. Hebrew chapter 13 and verse 15. Therefore, by him let us not let let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name Abraham was perfect he thanked God every time everywhere he was constantly on the move but the worship of his God was also wherever he went there was always worship of his God he's never afraid to do that in any situation in every occasion at such a state that he was never afraid to worship, to worship God. And he marked his territory along the way. He built an altars, proclaiming that eventually this will be mine, and my God's going to bless me, and God's going to fulfill the promise that he gave to me. And imagine yourself live on the move. You know how difficult that life is? You sleep here tonight for a week, two, maybe a month, and then you're on the move the next week, next month. You are in the desert, you know, you are somewhere else. We try to protect everybody. You have belongings, you know, we have people. You have probably young children along the way walking with the servants and stuff like that. Just imagine for a moment how difficult it is. And you know, for us, it's very easy. It's hot today, we just go home, we crank up AC, we get a cold beer from the fridge. You know, life is good. Back then for Abraham, it was not good. But God blessed him, and he enjoyed it, and he moved along. Now, as you see, I'm not trying to cover here from Abraham's life the high points. I'm not trying to show you that, you know, the sacrifices that he had to make, like, you know, sacrifice his son. I don't want to even go there. Because, you know, I don't know how I would respond if I get a message from God that I need to sacrifice my son. You know, I'm trying to show you the the weaker trials, the daily life that he left through, just to show you how difficult it was and what we can just learn from this little one, not from the huge one, just from the little experiences that we, you know, glimpsed here and there from the Bible. You know, it's nice how Isaiah described Abraham. You go to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 1. Look how God says here, how he described Abraham. Listen to me. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock. Look to the rock from which you were made. And to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. He's talking to the Israelites. Look, look. Who is this rock? Who is this thing? Who is the example that we should look? Verse 2. Look to Abraham. Look to Abraham. Your father. If you want a copy... If you want to learn from all these people, I want you to look back to Abraham. Look at his life. Look at what he went through. And look at his obedience, at his faith. Don't look at anybody else. Look at Abraham. What a, imagine, imagine in his name is written in a book that is mentioned for over thousands of thousands of years. That's one of the greatest, I would say the greatest example of faith in the Bible, except Jesus Christ. Just on human level. 
Abraham, the father of the faithful. What a great description for all of us. So there's plenty of more I, we can go on and share. I just want to show you the little things that I learned along the way. I was did a little bit, you know, more digging, right? Not to the big one, not to the huge one. But as I said, you know, the first part, I just want to talk a little, I want to talk about the fate of Abraham. And you will see, and you will see why. I want to switch my attention. We're still going to be talking to Abraham. But I want to talk about the three core values, the three asses. Anyone remember what they are? C, three C's. What are caring, consideration, courtesy, right? Three big C's, right? Try to think about Abraham. Was the guy who cared about his people? Was he a caring guy? Just try to think about it. If you can think from life of Abraham, look at some of the examples. I'll give you a few. And if you find anyone, anything else, write it down. I would love to hear from you later during the, during the sermon discussion. I would love to hear from you. If anything comes into your mind, please share with me. Caring. Simple definition of caring. Displaying kindness and concerns for others. Plain and simple. Kindness, concern for others. Was Abraham a caring person? What example can we find? Go to Genesis chapter 18. There are plenty. I'm just going to give you two for each. Genesis chapter 18. And verse 22. God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And here in Genesis chapter 18 and in verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Verse 23. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Some people would say, who cares? I don't care about Sodom and Gomorrah. Or we can say, yeah, you know, Lot was living there. He was his family. So he cared about Lot and he cared about the other people. He said, would you destroy the righteous? And we know how he negotiates with God. And, you know, came to ten. And God couldn't find even ten people righteous. But Lot and his family were saved. So here in this example, he was very caring about other people. Not just by himself, but also by the other people. Let's look at another example. If you find something that comes into your mind from the life of Abraham, please write it down and please share with me later. Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. And in verse 9, breaking into the context about the Ishmael, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptians, whom, whom, she, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. In verse 10, therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. But Abraham was not happy about it. Verse 11, it says, And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. He loved his son. He didn't want to just throw him away. He cared about his son. And because only when, you know, when God intervened, here in verse 13, it's actually God saying to Abraham, he says in verse 13, don't worry, Abraham, Abraham, let him go. You know, I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your son. Don't worry, I'll take care of him. Then Abraham let him go. Only after the assurance from God. And he knew it. He had this faith. He said, if God could make something out of me, I can trust God that he'll, that he'll let Ishmael live and let him prosper. That way how he prosper here, prosper me. Let's talk about courtesy. Just to remind a simple definition, showing of politeness in one's attitude and behavior towards, towards others. 
So let's think about Abraham. Let's go to verse 18 one more time. Let's look at this. How he treated other people. Was he polite towards the other people? The language that he used towards other people. Genesis chapter 18. I don't remember what time I started, so I have no idea where I am in my timing. Does anyone know? Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> I'm close to the end, so but <clears throat> I can shorten it. Genesis chapter 18. I guess the copy is here. It's over. <laughs> Genesis chapter 18, and look at verse 2. Actually, start from the beginning, verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked. So Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he not just ran, he bowed down, he bowed himself to the ground. It's very welcoming. And, and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Don't just go by. you close by my place. Come on. Verse 4. Please, let a little water be brought, and I, not my servant, I, I wash your feet, and rest yourself under the tree. And verse 5. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, after that, when you come and visit me, after that you may pass. After you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do, do as you have said. What a beautiful example, huh? Strangers. He entertains strangers, offer his home, open his door. You know, very hospitable. And by the chance, he entertained angels along the way. Beautiful example for all of us. Genesis chapter, give you another example. Genesis chapter 23. Just wanted to show you how he was respected by everybody, even his Canaanite neighbors. Genesis chapter 23. When his wife died, he's looking for a burial, burial ground. Look at verse 3. Then Abraham. Genesis chapter 23, verse 3. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the son of Heth, saying, I'm a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me, give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord. Great respect. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choices of your burial places. None of us we will withhold from you his burial place that you may bury your dead. Verse 7. He was greatly appreciated and honored. Great 7. Then Abraham stood up and he bowed down, bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he got what he wanted. He eventually actually purchased the place from the Canaanites' people. What a perfect example of his politeness, his hospitality, entertaining strangers. Let's move out, to, move out to the consideration. Consideration. Just to remind you, the simple definition. Careful thought, typically over a period of time. Not just for a second, for a two. You think about something. You consider something. You give it a thought. You try to figure it out. What are you going to do? Why it makes sense? You try to put somebody into somebody else's shoes. You know, if I were sick, if I have three months to live, how would I feel? How would that affect how would that affect me? What would I do? What would I say? And you know, and we lack in this consideration. You know, many times we lack in this consideration because sometimes, you know, we walk to people who are struggling with their faith, people who have a bottle of their life, people who are at the end of the rope, and we just basically we don't know what to say. And sometimes we say horrible things. I would say sometimes it's just stupid things. What it says that we know we, we never ever consider. We never ever put ourselves into someone else's shoes. Consideration, Genesis chapter 22. 
Genesis chapter 22. Now we're going to cover a big example, huge example for Abraham's life, the sacrifice of Isaac. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 7. Why was so easy to Abraham do such a do such an unbelievable act? Because he he considered what these actions could mean. He entertained the thought. He had God's blessings on one side. You know, God promises on one side. And he's such a faith. He was trying to, what is God is trying to do here? And, you know, he come at the end and says, he's going he's gonna to do something amazing anyway. I'm just, I might just well go with it and do it. Look here at verse, at verse 7. Chapter Genesis chapter 22 and verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the land for a bon offering? Where is the land? We're going to sacrifice to the Lord. Isaac doesn't know what's going to happen soon. Abraham, he knows already, Look how the answer. And Abraham said, My son, basically don't worry. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. You see? It's unbelievable. At this faith, he says, you know what? I don't know what, what this means, but I'm going to do it because, you know, I have this faith and I have all these promises. And I know so far based on my life, where I used to be, where I am now, God's going to do something spectacular. I entertained this idea, entertained this thought in my head for a long period of time. How is God going to accomplish all of this? Go to Hebrew chapter 11. Hebrew chapter 11. And I'm closing here. Hebrew chapter 11. And look at verse 17. Hebrew chapter 11 and verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who would receive the promises offered up his only begotten son. Why? Of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, right? Why would he do that? See, he was entertaining this. How is God going to accomplish this? Verse 19 is the answer why. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Beautiful answer. He couldn't understand it to the full extent, but he says, you know what? If God wants to, if I even sacrifice my son, if God promised it, God would raise him up. This is enough for me. Let's go and do it. That's a faith. And why I want to link this, you know, the core values and faith of Abraham. I was thinking about it for a few weeks, how I'm going to put them together. And, you know, we can't try to be nice people. We can try to be hospitable people. We can try to entertain strangers. But I think that the stronger connection is if you have this faith, if you work on faith the same way how Abraham used to work on this faith, the obedience will come naturally. As obedience comes naturally, then we have this unbelievable love for one another. And as we grow in this love for one another, then these three core values, they're going to come naturally. We don't have to train anybody that, you know, we have to be this, we have to be this, we have to be this, and we have to do this, and we have to do this. It will come naturally. Somebody knocks on the door, you naturally will run, open the door, it will serve whatever you can, it will welcome anybody, whoever knocks on your door. It will be just like Abraham. Christian, no Christian, Muslim, no Muslim. Someone knocks on your door, it will be very hospitable. Whenever you will go, you're always nice and polite to anybody. But we have to start from the faith. We have to work on this faith. 
And this faith is built on nothing less but unbelievable promises that we have from our Father. And think for a moment. If Abraham knew, if Abraham knew the details that we know now, could you imagine his faith then? If he had the details about plan of God, what you know, what, what we have now, he had a limited understanding. And his faith was unbelievable. And we have such a big understanding of God's, God's plan of, you know, God, God's plan for us. What is our faith? We need to go, we need to study, we need to learn how Abraham lived and practiced May God bless you. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you find any example that we can share later during the you know, sermon discussion, please, if anything comes into your mind when it comes to Abraham. May God bless you all, brethren. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.